Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we're talking about the side of the box. How useful is it? And how do we as experienced gamers interpret the information there differently than those who are new to the hobby? Does it make a difference to our purchasing habits? I thought we were talking about the size of the box. Nope. No? no? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, um, thanks to all our patrons as well, especially our friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, and the Gift of Games in Gray's Lake. And thank you to all our other patrons also. Um, also a reminder, we are on Zoom. Come hang out with us, like our wonderful Zoom live audience that we have right now. We have a lot of fun conversations. We usually talk about Bluey and kids. Um <laughs> That's probably not going to bring more people in, is it? No. <laughs> Sometimes we talk about... No, that's pretty much all we talk about is Blue Green Kids. Um, but that's okay. It's still... It's, it's fun stuff. So if you want to do that, there's a link in the show notes, but you can go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live. Oh, how are you guys doing? Good. Good. The I outside is trying to de- kill me, but you know, hang in there. <laughs> I was doing some detective work before uh, I jumped online um someone uh knocked the mirror off of uh, carmen's car like oh, sideswiped no. the car yeah and it's, there's like glass strewn all over the street and stuff like that uh, luckily the car was parked right in front of a house that has a ring doorbell so they were nice and showed me the video it looks like it's a garbage truck that Ugh. might have yeah. removed the mirror but it's hard to tell like the ring video doorbell is like good if someone's like taking a package or like knocking on your door. It's not so great if you want to get information of like what's happening in the street. Yeah. Cuz like I can't I can't and it happened at night so it's like I don't know. Of course. I can't read the side of the truck. Yeah, I would just, you know, send a bill to the garbage people and say give me actually just write a ticket to the city. I'm that's really the best way to go. <laughs> Or you know. just call the insurance company. Actually, don't even call the insurance company. You, no. That will cost you more. Yeah. To get, I mean, I looked up the part already. The part is like, it's a $30 part. And apparently it's hard to install. But like, there's a million auto body places around where I live. And maybe one My of those places will, will install do it, it for, for like a hundred bucks. Fletcher, so it's like, watch a YouTube video. In- do it yourself. <laughs> and well, my brother-in-law will do it for you. I've done it multiple. Don't, you know focus on this too much i've taken out many a side mirror on my cars and he has replaced them for me at least three times <laughs> okay. well i we talked to carmen's dad who um is a uh car salesman and he was and he he was like oh this is actually pretty difficult to install this mirror um, okay i'm just gonna say car salesman saying something oh this is difficult to do you should probably take it into the dealer <laughs> I don't know. He's like, I, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna he's gonna screw over his daughter and future son-in-law. That's, I'm saying I'm saying it's instinctual. He has no choice. It's just in his nature. <laughs> uh yes. Um. All right. Well. Good luck. I still say watch a YouTube video and give it a shot. What's the worst that happens? Yeah. You're unable to do it, and then you bring it in and spend two hundred and fifty dollars having someone else do it. Yeah. Either way, you learn something. Uh So last week's episode inspired the group of us. <laughs> <laughs> we we started a D campaign that we're going to be playing on friday nights um i have toyed around with the idea because we're just doing it over zoom and we're using this uh new tabletop software called foundation vtt virtual tabletop which is new as of may i think um but it's taking the virtual tabletop space by storm it's kind of cool and i'm thinking of throwing it up 
on just casting it to YouTube from Zoom. So it's going to be no editing, no nothing, just raw. <laughs> <laughs> what you see is what you get. But I will let you guys know uh, this is going to happen, though, because we are all we're, we're steady. Red, or steady. We're steady to play. And yeah, I've been spending way too much time pretty much every night tweaking the virtual tabletop stuff to do cool things and make fun stuff happen. But uh, yeah, we'll give you more information on that as we go. But it's all Kitty's fault. Once we started talking about it, all of us got <laughs> off of the... Um, actually, I think is the next day Sydney listened. Yeah. And then we were all just decided to like, we're nostalgic. Like we need to do a D&D campaign. I'm like, okay, <laughs> done. So, but yeah. Um, so... Kitty, we're talking about sizes of boxes? No. Oh. We are not talking about... I had to look back at my text message that I sent you and figure out if you're messing with me or if I had a typo. I can't tell. (laughs) But this is the side of the box. All right. But more specifically, we're talking about the publisher information that gets put on the side and sometimes the back of the box. But yes, it's like those three little squares that every single game seems to have. That's what we're going to talk. I thought I also thought it was the size of the box. (laughs) It's really hard to emphasize over Zoom or whatever platform we're using the side of the box. (laughs) Well, we can talk a little bit about the size of the box, right? Well, maybe now I'm completely unprepared. (laughs) (laughs) All those hours of prep work about box sizes. Yeah, all those hours of research I did with the tape measure (laughs) down the drain. (laughs) And and the ring door cams. Hmm, how big (laughs) is that box? It's hard to tell from the street. Uh, Yes, I I think this topic... So it's easy enough to say, oh, player count. Yeah, yeah. Sure, that's that's an informational thing. Sure, time always a lie. Age range? Why do they even put it on the box? Okay, we're done. Let's talk about the size of boxes now. Um, <laughs> but I will there- say this was inspired by a Reddit post that I saw where somebody said, "I see all the time you look at the side of the box and it says player count one to blank, and when you get into the rules, the first player mode or the single player mode." isn't the same as the rest of the game in a way that's like not fun to play it. And that got me thinking about, you know, how many people are just looking at these little squares and seeing the information that they want to see and buying a game because of it, who don't look into more information and that kind of thing. So yeah. these solo player modes that aren't really solo player modes. Are actually, they I don't, games? I don't actually mind that. Um, I I mind the other way when it says player counts five six seven, and the game is basically unplayable at those higher player counts. Uh, essentially, pick any game where other players aren't doing anything on their turn. Yeah, and and go scaling up like it's just it's unbearably slow to do that. So let's all right. So let's talk about player count and let's talk about the one player quote unquote mode. And <laughs> does Reddit see I. I I've said this before. I hate Reddit. Every time I get directed <laughs> to Reddit, it is nothing but just pure, why am I here? Why does this look like the 1990s? And who in the world thinks that nothing but comment threads is a good idea? But Me. I understand <laughs> I'm really in the minority on I really on Reddit now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I understand no, I I'm in the minority. Reddit, and then they the made a good oh, Never read the comments. Yeah. Never read Reddit. But again... I'm in the minority on this. So um, 
somebody decided that the one player game and and this is my take on this if there is a one player mode or the game is playable at one player without modification it doesn't actually matter there's still a one player in there right so people will complain about everything if it's just a straight up one player let's say marvel champions that has a one player and you can play it completely fine with one player people complain about it being swinging at one player so should they put two players on the box Maybe. No, in that case, but maybe. No. So now you put, say, two players. Now let's take a look at Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven says you can go down to one player, but when you're playing one player, you have to play with two characters. Oh, that's not a one-player mode because you have to use two characters. Again, people love to complain about whatever. All right, so now let's look at Arkham Horror, the card game. That has a one-player mode, and it's actually very, very fun at one player. It doesn't change anything, but you're constructing your deck differently. The one-player mode means that certain cards that combo between characters aren't there. So the one-player mode, you're not getting the quote-unquote full experience when you're in one player. Let's look at a roll-and-write. One player. You can play one player, right? But now you're just playing to beat your own score over and over and Mm -hmm. over again, which can be a lot of fun. But now it's not competitive, or I don't like just having to try to beat my own score. So one-player modes. How do you guys feel about it? Because (laughs) I think a one-player mode, you either like the game or you don't at one-player. I don't think any of these are wrong. I think different people like different things. And I think it's completely valid to put one-player, even if there's a, you know, an AI player you have to play or a dummy player or just pick your list of whatever you hate about one-player games or you just don't like one-player games. So why would they even do that? Because board games is a communal thing. Why would you ever play it by yourself? This is something that I started noticing all the time on Kickstarter is that every Kickstarter has to highlight, oh, I have my solo player mode. And I just stopped caring about it because everyone is trying to do it and it's going to be good or it's going to be bad, but I can't buy the game based on it anymore. And maybe that's just me being spoiled. I've always got people I can play with, whatever it is. I don't need to have a solo mode. So if it has a good one, that's great, awesome. But I'm not going to buy a game because it has it anymore. I used to, for the longest time, I would buy games because there was a solo mode. But that was before the solo fad. Not a fad, solo trend. Um, I think that Kickstarters are doing solo because it's hugely demanded. Like, Mm -hmm. people, not everyone has a playgroup, but people love playing board games and the solo mode matters to those people so if you can put a solo mode whether it's bolted on or not you want to do that you know yes some people aren't going to like it but you're gonna have a lot more people that do and if you don't like it just don't play it solo and solo mode complete fletcher what do you think about the one number on a Um, player count i mean if i wanted to play solo mode i just play a video game so (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think solo mode is like it be like a nice throw in or something like that. Like, oh, I just really want to play this game. Fine. To me, that's never good. That's never going to be like an appeal of like why I want to play a particular game because I want the community, community friend, you know, aspect of it, not just like, I don't know, playing against, uh, you know, a deck or a time deck or something like that. I do like it as a way of learning the game before you teach the game. Um, one of the things I do with, you know, the one, two games is the one, two, X, not <laughs> one, two, yeah, uh, is check out the solo mode and see how different it is. And if it's not that different, if it's just, you know, set it up like this or, you know, tweak this here or remove those cards or whatever, uh, I, 
I don't mind playing the solo mode to get to play it. Uh, Marvel United has a solo mode, and it plays differently than playing two-handed, so two different characters of Marvel United. Um, it feels like a different game when you play it solo, but the general mechanics and how you you know, what you're trying to do is the same. So playing it solo, I was able to get a feel for that. And then I could easily teach the two-player game to someone else and say, okay, this is how you play this game. Um, Honestly, though, I still think that particular game is more fun playing two-handed than it is playing solo mode with, you you mix three characters all together and there's certain, you die in a more abrupt way. But um, ultimately, they're both fun. They're just slightly different variants of the same game. I, I don't know. I honestly, when I see a game that doesn't have the one though, I balk at it. I, I don't like getting a game that doesn't have a one player option still to this day. Like, I want to know that if I want to open this up and play it solo, I can, even though I probably won't. <laughs> so, talking about a game that I know that you really like that doesn't have that solo number on it, it has a two to five player count, the crew. Okay. So, this is a cooperative trick-taking game, and I was really excited to see that two-player count because Spencer and I love to play trick-taking games, and they're rarely two-player trick-taking games that we can do. And I really like playing cooperative games with him because then nobody's mad at each other. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really excited about this, but then when you read the two-player rules, it's deal a dummy hand. And I hate that. I sort hate of. it. Did you actually play it, though? I did not. I read all of the rules. I played it three-player. So, two-player crew, I truly, truly enjoyed it. So, that's how Sydney and I played it first. The only complaint I have... Did you play it three-player, though? Yeah, I played it three-player as well. I played it five-player. The only thing that two-player, the only complaint I have is the person who has the commander token has a bit more control i would say probably two-thirds of the control um which makes sense because they're controlling the dummy hand but what it does is it makes it so the two of you are playing kind of like a solitaire together but a solitaire trick-taking game but a duo two-player solitaire trick-taking game none of that makes any sense but (laughs) you are manipulating the open hand you're manipulate that dummy hand is not a dummy hand that's on autopilot you get to decide what happens and how it happens so it gives you some more strategic options and how to do it it's not actually bad it is very different than the three-player game though and yeah. that's and that's the I guess difference. I just really enjoyed playing the three-player game and when reading the two-player rules it was just like this isn't the same no, I wanted to be not. able to play the same game two-player and that's kind of the feel i get from some solo games but i don't mind those ones as much because i everyone expects the one player to be different you can't play solo by the same rules you can play with multiple people unless it's pandemic <laughs> um which is <laughs> or, always or actually really a, a lot solo game. <laughs> a lot of co-op games actually are yeah. fine at one players if you don't mind just being that alpha you are player, multiple characters whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that, that was my only thing was it doesn't feel the same. And I wasn't necessarily expecting that from a two player the same way I expect it with a one player. Yeah. Well, so two players interesting too. So seven, seven wonders actually not the newest edition. They took this out, but in the, in the first edition of seven wonders has a two player variant. Now the box says three to seven. 
Mm-hmm. But the rules say, hey, if you want to play two players, this is how you do it. And you basically create, uh, it's it's sort of like a dummy hand, but it's something that you both get to interact with and manipulate. So it it's a different game with the same core mechanics and scoring and all of that. But many, many people, most, the vast majority of the people, like, no, 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 never play Seven Wonders Two Players, the worst thing ever. And then there's Rado, he loves he only plays two player games and it's his favorite thing ever and when the second edition took it out he took it off his list of good games like that's how much he was passionate about that um i think well let's let's talk because there's not a lot of three player games that have two player variants that i can think of at the moment i think we just mentioned the two big ones um let's go to the other side so uh, the high-end player count five players um Let's say photosynthesis is the one that's coming to mind right now. On your turn in photosynthesis, and I don't know that photosynthesis even goes to five. It may only go to four, uh, but there's a reason for it. I'll look it it up. Yeah. (laughs) And on your turn, you don't do anything. Someone else is taking their turn. They're doing the whole thing. So when you have a situation where there's no player interaction when it's not on your turn, that upper limit is also a lie. You don't... I just, I can't imagine playing a game where I have to wait for, you know, to, even if it's just two minutes per turn and there's five people, you're waiting eight minutes before it's your turn again and before you can do anything at all. What it is, is actually only four players, but yeah. still. Yeah. And it has to. Like, <laughs> it has to even because, worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's other games that, like, Tidal Blades just came out and it's a gorgeous looking game. It just fi- is fulfilling on Kickstarter and it plays, um, I think it says one to f- it says one to four on the box, um, but there's a solo mode variant where you have basically a dummy player and a two player mode variant where I think it adds also has like some more interactions. And then at three and four it plays fine, and then at five it's just nothing but downtime. You just watch other people play the game most of the time. So <laughs> there are these sweet spots where on Board Game Geek you can go to Board Game Geek and it'll tell you this is what the number of people to actually yeah. play this game. <laughs> yeah. So, Fletcher, um, what do you think about high-end numbers? Like, pick any game of just a big number, and where do they break down? Why do they break down? So, I mean, I guess when I think of, like, a large number of game, you, I think of, like, you know, party games where it's, like, one, two, infinity kind of a kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Like, uh, like I don't know, like, um, oh, what is it? Wild Draw 4. What, what is the name of that game? That party card game uno uno like uno right like <laughs> i'm sure there's a player cap to that but you can play that game with like 10 people and it still works yeah. and it, just and, throw in more decks and the player count goes away <laughs> right um and the game moves pretty fast so you don't re- typically have to worry about it in that case but otherwise it's like social deduction games like werewolf or something like that where the amount of people doesn't matter so much i mean it does but like there's no turns in werewolf right you're just kind of like arguing amongst each other Mm -hmm. um i guess like where the game obviously would start to break down if you had a large number of people is something like i don't know even monopoly is like not too bad but any game where you have to like really think about what you're doing um when you start adding like five six seven eight people like then then you're just spending your turn you're spending like other people's turn like wanting to go again like can i go again now please or like yeah 
you have to pay attention to like what everybody else is doing and then you, you get lost and it's your turn it's like i don't even know what to do now it's like you, you don't even pay attention you just wait until it's your turn and then you can look at the board you can look at the landscape and be like okay now what do i want to do um but I, well you mentioned played you mentioned two things there one monopoly um the reason <laughs> that that's okay at higher player counts is because you are invested in what's going on you're looking yeah. for people right. to land on your property and it can happen at any time um two also like the transaction Uno, like the turn transaction is is pretty short very There's fast typically typically too much thinking that you need to do right and that's the same thing with uno right it's like it's a five second decision like you mm-hmm. only have a certain number of valid choices but the other thing with uno that you hit on is going above the player count on the box now i've seen this happen oftentimes in cooperative games um again i'll mention Ark and horn the card game it is a four-player game it is a four-player game, not because the rules can't handle it, but because it takes forever beyond four <laughs> players. It takes forever at four players. But you could play that game five, six, seven, eight. Like It has a linear scaling model that goes on it, but you'd literally just be sitting there forever. Some people choose to do that. Um, Cthulhu Death May Die, it is a caps out at five, but you could have six or seven players pretty easily. And again, it scales with the number of players. So it actually becomes something that it'll change the difficulty. It'll change the downtime. But yeah, you could go above it. And you see a lot of people do that when they want a, when they have a gaming group of six, which is the worst size gaming group on the planet. Because you don't <laughs> want to split it into two th- groups of three, because then you're just like picking favorites. And there's very few games that are like, you know, the hardcore board games at six. So you kind of scale things up. And the publisher, like, they just don't put it on the box. They don't recommend it. Because if they did, and reviewers reviewed them at that player count and said, this is miserable, like, that's <laughs> a problem as well. Ugh, what a slog. Do not recommend. Yeah. So why do they put player counts on the box? I'm going to let you guys answer this first, and then I'll school you. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's just like, you know, I, mean, I obviously think that you these... just go like components. <laughs> right, like how many components do you want to include in the box? Yeah, like that's that's yep. one simple thing. It's just um, these are how many know, pieces getting... you can fit in there, right? Yeah. Uh, so why are they printed on the box? Is that the question you're going well, for? Well, why why put player count on the box? Actually, let me. Obviously, the put you put the player count on the box so you know how many players it plays. But why go <laughs> from one to four? Why have a five and six player expansion add on? Like, why put the one on there if it's a different game at one? Why put two on there? Why not put two on there if you have variant rules in the rule book where you could play it at two? And that times, a lot of times you'll see that. It's like two to four, and then the rule book will have a variant for one player, and they won't put that on the box. So why would publishers want to do that? Well, I think you kind of nailed it with this is what they're saying is best for the game. That these are the way they tested it. This is the way it has been reviewed. This is what they meant for it to be played at. It is not, you know, what it can be or what it needs to be. It's, it is just what they have done the work with. Partly. That's, that is the good faith thought. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying you're completely marketing. wrong. Some publishers are there. Marketing. It's 100% marketing. In, in fact, the entire type side of the box. Not, no, that's not true. Two out of three of these are are marketing. One of them, something else. But um, when I've heard so many stories where designers will go to a publisher and say, hey, I have a three to five player game. And the publisher will simply say, I love the game. It's awesome. You need to get it down to two to five. 
If you don't, mm-hmm. I can't. I'm sorry. Is are you publishing Catan because, because you can't do that? They s- well, they don't sell. That's the thing. If you if a three player game will not sell nearly as well as a two player game, so you have to put the two on there. Yeah, unless and it's Catan. Well, <laughs> but even Catan, you can play at two players. Yeah, but I mean, on the side of the box, it says like three to five or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, Catan is interesting. So Catan goes back to York Point, where most people don't want to pay for the components to six players if they're never going to play it at six. So when you see that fifth player expansion or fifth to sixth player expansion, that's a way of a publisher saying, look, I'm going to cater to what makes the game cheap to make, or at least affordable to make. And then for that small group that needs the extra player counts, we're going to have an expansion that you can add on. And that way I can make a lot less of those and not have to charge everyone more for the game. People still complain about that. It's like, wait a minute, why do I have to spend more money just to get these extra player counts? Most people don't complain, though, because most people don't go past four when they're playing. Um, or somebody like my family is just used to always having to pay more because there's more of us. Right. <laughs> so we're like, oh, okay, at least somebody's accommodating us. I do kind of like that. That, you know, it, I like the variety that you see in modern games now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. I really do. I think that the solo thing is catering to a demographic that likes playing games solo and if you don't want to play it solo you don't like solo games or you don't like games that are slightly different than the bigger versions you don't like automas like that's fine nobody's forcing you to play it <laughs> and if you're saying i won't buy a game that puts a one on the box because the solo game is always different okay um i guess i don't think that that was what the the point being made was i think the one on the box has become meaningless that the the one on the box could mean anything from this is a co-op game that is soloable the whole time this has a really well-developed automa that you're going to really enjoy playing or this has some slapped together rules that we tried really hard because kickstarter won't fund unless (laughs) we say it has a solo mode and you have no idea what that one means yeah actually that's a it's a valid um i don't want to say complaint observation <laughs> yes it is so, merely an observation yeah that now when you, it says one i still like as somebody who knows a lot about games that just means i want to learn more about this game whereas somebody who's at target might see that one and say awesome i can play this by myself and buy it and then get home and be like this is kind of garbage yeah yeah, and honestly, you can go out and look up information about a game if you know how to do it. That vast yep. majority of people who are buying things, especially impulse buys, are not. Um, but I kind of like the idea of the one having some kind of additional adjective, <laughs> like um, you know, scalable game. So this is the same game; it just scales down to one. Um, one with you know, two character one. So you're playing as if you were t- a two player game. Um, let's see what else is there. One variant, one player variant is a, you know, it's not the same game. It's a variant, but it's there. It uses all the same components and it has the same feel. Like I could definitely see publishers adding that to the box, you know, mm-hmm. and even, even pulling it out saying this game is two to five players. And then as in a separate box saying solo mode, blah, blah, blah. And describing what the solo mode is and only putting a one to five. If it really is a scalable game. Um, I would also actually, 
Anything else about player count before we get to the next box? Because this next box is going to be a big one, too. Nope. Fletcher, anything else about player counts? Uh, Nope. I don't have anything else. There is at least one game out there that has a player count that goes from zero to two. So (laughs) (laughs) Zero to two? Yeah. So yeah, nobody can play this game. (laughs) It was a Kickstarter, and the name is escaping me, but you're like a space guy going into a space monster or something like that. And you can play either side, and the other side plays on essentially an AI deck. So you can play both sides. You can play, you know, two players. Each will be play a side. You can play one side with the AI deck on the other and then switch over. Or you can just let the AI decks play against each other. So it is a zero... Like war. <laughs> yeah, it's a zero to two player <laughs> game. But it's legit. Like, you can just watch it play war. out. <laughs> zero to... It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Zero to, <laughs> zero to zero is what war is. Um, you just flip it through. All right. Zero to so, 52. <laughs> yeah. So the next um one on here, time. <sighs> Always a lie. Always yeah. a lie. Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm going to ask so her like with two all- expert players. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It may be possible for the game designers or the playtesters to play within the time allotted if the game is already set up. I could see that. But oftentimes I've seen games that say, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, where it takes a half hour to set the game up. Mm-hmm. And there's no, yeah, like time, let's just get it out of the way right now, is 100%, again, another marketing term. And where you oh, put yeah. your time, there's a big difference between 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, and 90 minutes. Those are like kind of the big key ones. 45 is that kind of sweet spot where it's like, all right, I can get into the game, but it's not too long. 60 minutes, like, all right, I can do that. 60 to 90 minutes, like, that's okay. It's a, it's a, it's a deep game. It's, it's more marketing of like, how deep is this game? Yeah. Yep. As opposed to like, how long is it actually going to take? Yeah. Go ahead and <laughs> either like add 50% or double it. Well, I think it's really hard because a lot of times we're playing games for the first time. We play yes. a lot of games. We don't just play the same game over and over again. And I've been doing more of that recently because I don't live near Chris anymore. So I play my games more <laughs> frequently. So games like Azul or Wingspan, I can play much more quickly, much closer to the playtime. But when I am learning a game for the first time, it is going to take easily three times the amount of time on the box. Yeah. Well, my favorite is when a box <laughs> simply says, so, you know, one to five players, playtime, 60 to 90 minutes. Okay, those things don't make any sense whatsoever maybe at one player the play time is 60 to 90 minutes but what about five players because no and now you do have some publishers that try to be honest about it and say you know 45 minutes per player which sounds like a long time but it does it's not as bad as 60 minutes per player and even that they're lying because they don't know who i'm playing with they don't know (laughs) how long some players they take. don't know that you're playing with Josh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they should. I'm just waiting for it to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I do like at least when they put the per player on there because it lets you know, hey, the game time's going to scale. Because if they put something like 30 to, you know, 30 minutes to three hours, it's sort of saying the same thing, but it says it in a way where it's like, wait a minute, this game is either extremely random and can just end abruptly or it's highly <laughs> variable based on who I'm playing with. Um, and, and there are games out there. I think, um, oh, uh, this 
the playtime of Seventh Continent is something crazy, like you know, two hours to fifteen hours, or it, it's ridiculous. Um, and there's a lot of games out there that are sort of like that super swingy time frame where you really have to look up how long is this game going to take to play, to teach, to set up, to tear down. I also want to see set up and tear down times on the box. Seventh yeah. Continent is five to one thousand minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 1,000 minutes? <laughs> 5 to 1,000 minutes. And even you that's a little short. The game could be five minutes long? Yeah, you could just die. <laughs> 1,000 minutes for those who are playing along at home is a little over 16 and a half hours. Yeah. Um, and Which is true. Like, that's how long it takes to play. <laughs> now, five minutes, you're probably not going to die in five minutes, but it is possible. Um, the game sets up. Like, I want to see setup timing, though. And the game... Like Seventh Continent, the setup time is maybe five minutes. Um, the teardown time is maybe about five minutes. The first time you do it, it's probably going to be a little bit more. I also want to see learning curve, like the time it takes to learn the game. You know, the rule, even like Audible. Well, no, um, Kimball, Kimball, Kimball. That's the street we used to live on. <laughs> Kindle. When you look at a book on Kindle, it tells you the average read time. I want to know the average read time of the rule book. Now that assumes that publishers have someone actually read their rule books but um <laughs> that's a whole different podcast it's in the vault chris so the only game that i can think of that actually does a per player time off the top of my head is gloomhaven so fletcher i know that you don't have this memorized what do you think the per player time should be on gloomhaven uh, I mean, it, it also depends on the scenario because some scenarios are, are much longer than others. But I would say there is kind of like a cap in a way because all like all the characters have like an inherent timer for like actions because every time you play an action, you have to like discard a card. Um, but probably about maybe 45 minutes per player. So your typical I, scenario is going to take you, like, for two people, like, an hour and a half. I think that sounds about right. And yeah. yet the box says 30. Yeah. I don't... It's That's never... a little low. Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely low. I've played it at three players. On average, with three players, it's a little over... I would say it's a little over two hours to finish. And a lot of it, it's not necessarily the players all. It's that the game becomes more fiddly the more players you have. There's a lot more, yeah, there's a lot more things you need to do and manage as the player counts go up. And Gloomhaven's not alone in this. There's, you know, a lot of games that scale with player count. The game becomes more complicated as well because it's, you know, throwing bigger and better stuff at you. Um, also, the 30 minute setup per scenario. Yeah, per, exactly. <laughs> Again, the setup time, they just hide. They pretend like the setup time oh, is yeah. not part of it. Um, and it's it's like ingredients in a recipe. This is something that drives me crazy is when you look at a recipe and it tells you how long it's going to take. And then you look at the ingredients and it says already chopped onion. I'm like, this is all lies. <laughs> Wait, who just stores pre-chopped onions in the refrigerator? <laughs> well, at exactly least with recipes, <laughs> at least with recipes, it has prep time and cook time. So it says this is about how long Sometimes. it's going to take you to prep, and this is about how long it's going to. This is what it's going to take to cook once it's all prepped. I want my board game to have a prep time. Prep, yeah. yeah. What learning, prep, tear down, and then you can have a legitimate play time in the middle and say, you know, you can that number can actually mean more. 
Because 60 mm-hmm. to 90 minutes, what does that mean? I don't know. Yeah. Is it inclusive <laughs> of setup and teardown? I don't know. Probably not because, yeah. Um, but I, I do know that a lot of games, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, this was your topic, so I didn't do a ton of research. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of games do have like per player. Um, I think like um, heavier games are starting to do that. More of the, the miniature style Kickstarter Simon the kinds of games are more inclined to have per player counts. Yeah, it's they don't show like you can't see per player counts on BGG if they're doing that. They just they'll multiply it and give you a big range. Um because I'm wondering, I gotta think that Arkham Horror has it, like where it it has to scale with player count. You can't just put a random, you know, thirty to two hours on that. And honestly, even with Sydney and I, we almost all uh, oftentimes take like upwards of two and a half, three hours to finish a scenario. Um, but I can play one solo in well under an hour, maybe even 45 minutes with a single deck. I, that's not a big deal. So some of these games, as soon as you go past a certain player count, it just, it scales exponentially for player sizes. Uh, let's see. Arkham Horror looking at the grid. It simply says one to two hours on the box. So Arkham Horror, the card game. It's one to two players on on the box. This is what it says. One to two players, one to two hours, 14 plus. This is lies across the board. Um, (laughs) We'll talk about age in a second. But so one to two players is true in the core box. You need two boxes to get to two to four. So, okay, it is a... It is a one to two player game with what's in the box, but should they put the four on there? Since what's it, in the box? Well, yeah, <laughs> but should they put the four on there since it can play up to that? Because if you were just looking at this, you were looking at a four, four or four player game, and you looked at this, you wouldn't necessarily know you could play like one to four yeah. players on this, right? Mm-hmm. And the time, I guess, if you're talking one to two players, one to two hours is accurate. I just don't know that that's. Scales. If you have three to four, maybe it is three to four hours. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the time on this one is right. I, I, I'm not going to argue. It's about an hour per player. I can give Arkham Horror that. We'll give him that. Um, I, I almost ignore the time all the time, though. I just, I, I don't use it as a time frame. As like, how long do we have to play? I look at it as in relation to another game. Is this right? one going to take more or less time than this other game? I do think I don't remember which of you made this point earlier, but it, it like is a stand-in for weight almost. Yeah, it's giving you a kind of difficulty range on the game. If you're looking at something like, there's no way that Arkham Horror would ever say 15 minutes on it. So if a box is saying 15 minutes, I know it must be a fairly light game. It's going to be pretty easy to pick up most of the time. You can kind of use that stand-in. Yeah, and honestly, if I look at a game, and this again is where marketing comes in. If I look at a game and it says fifteen minutes to fifteen to twenty or fifteen to thirty minutes, I will dismiss it out of hand because I am not looking for those kinds of games. I'm not looking for like getting a game to the table is the hard part for me. So if I'm going to get a game to the table, I want something with a little bit of of meat. So a fifteen to thirty minute game is like, eh. Unless I'm doing the party game, unless I'm doing casual game, unless I'm like, you know, we're just hanging out. Let's throw something on the table that nobody has to really invest in. That's what I'm looking at those 15 minute games. See, I love the 15 to 30 minute games because that means I'm going to be able to play it two or three times in a row. I feel like I can actually 
we get it to the table one time, we can play a few games, and that's going to be super fun. My complaint is the exact opposite. If I pick up a game and it says anything over an hour and a half, I'm like, forget it. I'm going to (laughs) be done with this game by now. If it's not finished in an hour and a half, I don't have time for this. (laughs) So there, there are kind of useful tools to be found there. Yeah, we just played... Um, actually, Fletcher, what is your opinion on short duration games? Um, I mean, they're good. I don't, I don't know if I actually have too many short duration games. They're all like super long or, you know, like party games. So, I mean, I guess they're fine. I'm trying to think of something that would fit in that. Like, what is it? What is short duration? Like you said, like 15 minutes? Yeah, 15 mm-hmm. minutes. I mean, they're typically referred to as like filler games. Like Sushi Go would be a filler game. Yeah. I mean, I like Sushi Go, so I guess it depends on the game. But that's like a party game. Well, a lot of these games... So the difference between a 15-minute non-party game and a 15-minute party game goes back to player count. Yeah. And that's another thing you can do with these the side of the box, right? So I'm looking at Spyfall. Spyfall is three to eight players, and it's 15 minutes. That's basically what it says on the box. When I look at that, I see eight players, 15 minutes. I'm thinking party game. That's that's what, you know... It, that's what that says. Um, code names. I'm going to look that up real quick. Uh, back of the box says, then oftentimes they're the back of the box on the side. But same thing, two to eight players, 15 minutes. And again, I look at that as a party game. Now, these ages are different. Um, code names is 10 plus, uh, Spyfall is 13 plus. We'll get into why <laughs> Spyfall is a much, much easier game for younger players than code names is. But that's that's our next box to talk about, which we'll get to in a second. But um, I just think the time on the box, much like the player count on the box, it doesn't give you enough information to walk away with a reasonable idea of what this game is really going to involve. What is the prep mm-hmm. time? What is the cleanup time? What is the time investment? Not just what can my play testers play if they're doing nothing but focusing on the game and doing, you know, not worrying about... Uh, I'll I'll leave toddlers out of it, but you know, being social in any way that doesn't focus on the game and these times will slip. They just like I've never seen mm-hmm. a game of Code Names play in fifteen minutes ever. So mm-hmm. you know, even Code Names, which is a party game, still is an hour long party game. The way I think most people play it, which is without the stupid timer, because seriously, who needs that pressure? Maybe that's the thing. It's like, well, we fix code names by adding a timer. That way it's not long. <laughs> All right. Anything else on time? Mm-mm. I don't have anything. Nope. All right. Let's talk about age. So Do I'm you gonna... ever look at these? <laughs> <laughs> I don't look at age on... I do look at time and player count. Um, mm-hmm. I never look at age. Mostly because I know why age is the way it is. It is not based on cognitive ability for any game, really. It's based on, it's sometimes based on content. So, like, if it's a really dark game or something like that, or graphic content that isn't suitable for young kids or something, sometimes it'll be based on content. It is almost always based on what is in the box, the physical things that are in the box. Because in order to rate something less than 13 plus, the publisher has to go through additional testing to make sure it is safe for kids, 
essentially. Now, certain things will have, like, uh, if it's just a deck of cards, you can go down to 10 without having to do really any additional testing. Because cards have been said, yes, cards are okay to go less than 10. But if you're going 8, now you have to t- you check your components to make sure that, yes, this is age-appropriate for 8-year-olds. You may also have um, reading levels, but again, I don't think that most people are skewing things based on that. And if they are, then it's like, well, my kid can read. So even though the box says 13 plus, my eight-year-old can play that. Totally fine to do. So age is one of those things where it's like, I pay zero attention to it until you get to maybe less than five. Yeah. And I think that this might just be something, you know, our kids are very young or we don't have kids. We, this isn't something that matters to us as much. Maybe if I had a 10-year-old, I would care more about the difference between these games and the various ages that they say they play to. So I just looked up a variety of games that I have played with a middle school crowd and threw these in here. And Splendor, 10 and up. So Chris, you're telling me this is the threshold for... We don't have to do testing for choking hazards, or is that well choking choking 13? hazards. Yeah. So if you mark something as three plus, then that gives you a little bit more leeway <laughs> on on choking. But also keep in mind, this is not just U.S. centric. If it was U.S. centric, it'd be much different. Um, you could get away with putting. I think you could get away with putting five on the box. Mm-hmm. Europe is the biggest. Um, that's where they have the the more much more strong regulations as to what can go in the box. Pyramid Arcade. The one of the things they had to do was round the tips of the pyramids so that they could be worldwide compatible because the the pointy pyramids were not legal to put an age down on the box. Um, they were caltrops, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you can give a kid a bugle as a snack, they can have those sharp pyramids. They're the exact same tools are digestible. Yeah, not in Europe. But yeah, so, not in your eyeball. <laughs> so Pyramid I tell Arcade. You as somebody who is stabbed by my sister with her bugle witch fingers as a child. <laughs> so Pyramid Arcade, they have an age range of eight to adult. And the reason they were able to get down to that eight is because the pyramids are rounded. So though that getting that lower age range, almost all publishers want to do it. Like they're not trying to be exclusive, saying, okay, only smart kids can play this. They're trying to not be liable for saying smaller kids can handle this, <laughs> but really they're going to poke their eye out because it only takes one person to poke their eye out to put a small publisher out of business. And by that, poke I mean, your eye out, kid. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Christmas story season. You're going to shoot your eye out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the these numbers are seem completely arbitrary. It seems like who wanted to go through the rigors and who didn't, who has the money to deal with these things and who doesn't. It's like Splendor is 10 and up. Sagrada is 13 and up. Azul is eight and up. Throw Throw Burrito got all the way down to seven, which I feel like you could play this with a five-year-old. But but it's also, there's plushies, right? <laughs> it's a plushie uh, in the box. They're squishy. They're like the um, like a stress ball kind of a texture. They're really, really fun to play with. <laughs> Michael, Michael held up astronomy flux. Chess is rated um, chest is, well. Chess is usually not rated. Uh, no, it probably is. It's probably thirteen up. Um, that's my guess. But Kitty's I mean, gonna look it up. No but, one starts learning chess at like thirteen. I mean, I mean, I'll take that back. Obviously, people can learn chess at any age. But like people who are into chess, like you can start learning chess at six. Yeah, 
eight. But like, you can't be trusted around the pieces. It's a six and up on Board but, Game Geek. It does, but see if you can find a chess set and see what that set is marked. All right, um, I'm going on Amazon. So Michael held up Astronomy Flux, which, uh, you know, Flux is just a card game, and that's eight to eight, eight to all ages. Um, and it's Astronomy Flux is cool, Math Flux, um, Chemistry Flux. These ones are all, like, learning games, too. Like, Flux is a pretty silly game. You can learn this at any age. I would say Unless that... Unless you're me, and I was an adult, and I couldn't figure it out. Well, kids I wasn't figure things out faster attention. than adults. <laughs> To be fair, I was paying very little attention. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tried scaling Flux to eight players, and that failed so miserably. It says two to six on the box. Do not. It does not lie. Don't go higher than that. (laughs) It it breaks the game because you can't actually... There's too much spread out where you can't actually get all the pieces you need to win. So the game can literally just play forever. Did you find a chess set yet? Um, not one that has an age range on it, except this one that has no stress chess for children. Well, you gotta have that. Okay. Harry Potter wizarding, wizarding, wizarding world chess. <laughs> um, is it wizard's chess? Okay. This is- chess set is a normal one. It's eight to adult. Yeah. Which again, it, it sort of makes sense to like, again, it's a toy and it's all regulations. Um, the best way to, Look at any game and whether or not you should pay attention to the age range. If you have kids is, you know, hang out with your kids. You know what they can handle. You know what their interests are. Um, Really, the main thing that you're looking for when you're playing with younger kids, I'm not talking toddlers and, you know, five, five under. um, And even this doesn't apply to all five-year-olds is their reading level. How much reading is in the game? How much reading do they have to do on their own in order to play the game? So that's the main thing. And then as far as like thinking and strategy and stuff, kids have a pretty good chance of like figuring things out. I wouldn't put them in front of like a Twilight Imperium. Um, but I mean, I barely want to put my friends in front of Twilight Imperium. It's a fancy <laughs> game with a lot of pieces and they're going to eat Cheetos and touch my stuff. And no, it's just not okay. Speaking of which, I played Twilight Imperium yesterday and I won. Ha 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 ha. How long was the game? It was so we were going to play it with the same four player groups we played before, um, but we ended up Jen wasn't able to make it, so it was me, Sydney, and Doug. So it was a three player game, and that game plays solidly for us two hours per player. So it took us about six hours. Um, I won. Doug, Sydney had the game locked, but missed the opportunity and just didn't see that she had it locked as she'd done one thing. Um, Doug had a lock and saying. Make it to the end of the round, he wins, and there was no way for Sydney or I to stop him. And then Sydney played a card that allowed me to draw a secret objective, which just happened to be something I could fulfill instantly. And so I drew the card, made the next move, killed some troops, played this card, got my 10th point, and stole victory from the jaws of defeat, because there was no other way I could possibly win. It was like one card out of 15 that I needed to draw in order to win the game. Um, after six hours, that came down to a single card draw where any of us could have won. That game is so good. And it was worth the six hours investment. I was recently talking to my friend who routinely plays six-player Twilight Imperium. And she pulled a a me move and at the beginning of the game got so mad at someone for doing something to her that like everyone else left her alone for the rest of the game. (laughs) And I won. (laughs) Like, (laughs) good good job. (laughs) 
I've only played it twice, but so far it's come down to the wire every single time. And the entire game, the experience of the game, all six hours you're having, well, all the time you're playing it, two hours per player, um, (laughs) you're having fun. And the winner, like everyone's kind of proud of the winner because you're all, you were all so close. It could have been anyone. And uh, even when you're attacking each other, you don't feel, you feel a little bad, but not that bad because... If there's in combat, you can't actually use the cool stuff that you built up. So by the end of the game, you're like, I kind of want you to attack because I want to see if I can defeat you. And uh, so good. Long games. Um, they're a commitment. So don't 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 shy away from those boxes that say, you know, hour and a half per player, or two hours per player, or you know, up to most games are not gonna advertise more than four hours. I think even Twilight Imperium only goes to like 1,800 minutes, just four hours. Um, is that right? No, that's three hours. Um, but when you're playing a game for that long, as long as you're having fun while playing it, it was worth it. Like, do it. Do it. All right. What's the, so that what's covers the, recommend, the hmm? What's the recommended playtime on Dungeons & Dragons? <laughs> is there? <laughs> I don't even know if it has one. Let me look on board. It probably just Let's says have fun. Let's do a say about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I lied about TI4. At least on Board Game Geek, it's uh, 240 minutes to 480 minutes. But I'm looking at the box itself. Dungeons and Dragons. Box. Five, five minutes to four years. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's that's perfect. That's about right. Some people will extend that a little bit longer. But that's about right. <laughs> um, I don't actually see a playtime on the TI4 box it's not in front of me but um yeah yeah board game i only geek has have a, it on board game geek well let me yeah. see if you've got a picture down here of the side of the box oh no it, it does say four to eight hours on the box yeah 48 hours All three right. to six players ages 14 plus um for twilight imperium i'm gonna say all of those things are accurate at probably like probably across the board i think with six players you're looking at more eight more than eight hours you're probably looking at 12 hours but but 14 plus I'm not saying a younger player couldn't play it. It's just a very long amount of time. You you would want someone who is really invested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are probably 14 year olds out there, or 13 year olds even, who are way more invested than I will ever be. So oh yeah yeah don't yeah 100. <laughs> percent um, I think that <laughs> when I was when I was like tw- 10, 11, 12, these are the type of things that I could be into the entire time. Now whether or not I could hold up for that long playing with adults is a completely different story. I could see, you know, five, four, you know, 12 to 13 year olds playing Twilight Imperium with each other and actually yeah. being invested. One 12 year old at a table full of adults, I do not see that that person's going to hold their interest as much. You're just, you have to have extra conversations and stuff. And it's hard. There's a, just a miss there in some cases. Again, Everybody's different, but I would. Yeah, that would be my concern. Is age differences at the table are also something that you can take into consideration when you're looking at those age ranges. But you, it all comes down to knowing your kid, knowing the kid you're playing with. Like they all have different skills. I know there's some kids that I play games with where I have no problems with them understanding the rules but you have to watch them for cheating all the time and there's some kids where like you put them in a more social game and they're just gonna like schmooze the adults and be totally cool with it roll with whatever it is and then there's some kids that are just gonna shut down and 
that's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you you have to know your audience with these ages. And honestly, when you're playing with kids, I would play the game before buying it for a child. It's just so hard to try to get an accurate feel for any of these games with the number written on the box. Yeah, I would agree. Now, Katie, you have one more note on here before we go is whether or not yeah. difficulty should be something on the box. And I think in the industry, we would call it probably weight. Weight. Sure. Um, I wrote these notes very slapdash. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, but I, I think it's... Uh, the thing is, as soon as you switch it to weight, it can mean a number of things. But then yeah. difficulty can mean a number of things, too. Is it difficulty to learn? Difficulty in the strategy? Difficulty because it's hard to win in a co-op? Like It sounds like we should have a whole episode about it. Oh, <laughs> about... Wait. <laughs> we I do. We, I think we have one, yeah. We um, did. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is tricky because even on Board Game Geek that does have a weight on there, weight means different things to different people. Yeah. And it still has to be pulled out a little bit more than what it is. Um, and there's also, I've seen some boxes have like a luck strategy meter, right? You know, how mm-hmm. lucky is this? How strategic? Normally, they put that on the box when they want to show you that you know it's more you it's more strategy than luck. So look at this luck meter and see how strategic it is. Um, there's no standards to any of this stuff. Yeah, there, we need to have a standards committee. I think for weight or difficulty, I would almost like just maybe even like a light, medium to heavy. Like it doesn't have to be a super specific. Uh, so what does that even mean yeah yeah it's hard because you know some people don't want to think they like light games but they do and some games might not want to label themselves this way and when you start the standard of putting it on every game is it only matters when everyone does it and if some people are doing it some people aren't it doesn't matter as much what boxes have you seen that actually have this info on it because i I don't think I've ever seen like a either luck luck versus strategy or like weight. So it's almost always comes down to marketing. So again, mm-hmm. when you see that luck versus strategy, it is a, it's a marketing box saying, "Hey, this is a game that has dice, but it's more strategic than it looks." Or right, but like, what games have this? I, I'm, I'm saying I've never I even don't know. seen you're, this. You're making me pull this off the top of my head. I could <laughs> I can go through all my collection and find it. Um, there but are you've seen it. Uh, I've seen it. Yeah. It exists. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also think about it this way: um, you can also, <laughs> like Miles mentioned, if your kids can't read, you can just always make up the rules. I like that. That's a good advertisement <laughs> for not teaching your kids to read. <laughs> no, no, no. You can't do that. It says right here. What? You can't read that? Yeah, of course it says right here. Um, Learn to read. Way to teach your kid how to read. Exactly. I think I read out of spite early yeah. like because i knew i yeah. knew they were messing with me they weren't uh, but I jason knew also mentions that um eclipse second dawn also has a time 25 minutes per player on the box that is a lie i would say it's 45 minutes um 25 minutes is yeah i've played it two players <sighs> yeah no it's probably an hour per player yeah it's about an hour per player um it depends it depends on how fast you play and how familiar you are with it, but God, I love that game. So I also play with Sydney, and Sydney likes to think about her turns. But um, yeah, I think that when you're talking about difficulty and things like that, you'll see, you know, a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. 
These are marketing terms. Like it says, mm-hmm. hey, it's easy to learn, but there's a lot of strategy there. Um, you're never going to see a box say, you know, 16 hours to learn, 20 minute playtime. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and there are games out there that do that, right? So it, it's it's hard to try to standardize these things, especially yeah. since, I mean, we can't even standardize box sizes, um, which is what we thought we were talking about in the first place. But, you know. Stop trying to gaslight me, Chris. I went back and read my text. I was very clear. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. All right. I think that's an episode. Um, I told you, we can spend an hour talking about anything. (laughs) Um, Whose turn is it to read the names? Is it my turn? Yes. All right, fine. It's my turn. Uh, But I don't have to read the rest of this. So, Kitty, you go ahead and do that. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find the link in our show notes as well. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the support us link. And there's a link in our show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrett, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Ratke, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letko, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholz, Joe Rexed, Sahara Whitworth, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Ben, Gary, that, I did say that. I just, blah, blah, I can't speak. You, know. um, Matthew you just Choke. went through puberty really quickly. <laughs> I did. <laughs> My voice just dropped. <laughs> David Rank, Christopher Comstock, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Lum, uh, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Buntham, Eric Seelander, Glenn Cotter, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Kelly O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Angus Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, and Ronald Roy. And thanks for everyone who's ever been a patron and thank you for all of you that are going to be a patron in the future dun, dun, dun. until next week keep playing games and having fun was that a threat it was a threat. I don't know how it was. <laughs> <laughs> you will back us. <laughs> Good evening.